This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Broadcasting on the Mojo 5 radio network and bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and conventional wisdom is often just an illusion. We're live on iHeartRadio, available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Love to hear from listeners. You can shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com or call the vent line and get something off your chest at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, once again, the media and the, the social justice warriors have fallen for another hate hoax. You know, you wonder if they really believed this story of Bubba Watson and the noose in his garage at Talladega. I don't think they did. I think they wanted to believe it. It's sort of like the old X-Files show. I want to believe, but I don't think that they really believe this. I think what they hoped is that Bubba Watson would be Bubba Wallace. I should say he takes offense to being called Bubba Watson. I think Bubba, uh, they, they hoped that Bubba Wallace would, uh, would be a better hoaxer than Jesse Smollett and that they would be able to continue this narrative that NASCAR fans were hateful, white, cracker, tobacco-chewing racists. But it was pretty clear from the get-go that this this wasn't going to hold up. First of all, there's so many security cameras in the, uh, the garage areas at NASCAR that uh, you would not have been able to get away with it, especially... Now that they've got those uh, those garages pretty much locked down because of the Wuhan virus. But they got duped again. The mainstream media, they published all these stories. They went on TV with these breathless um, moralizing over these uh, these awful crackers down in Alabama. These racist crackers that were, uh, you know, threatening poor Bubba Wallace. And we're going to talk about how this whole thing developed. Um, I knew early on that it was almost certainly a hoax, just simply because of the histories of, of these uh, these noose hoaxes. But even more so that they never showed a photo of this noose. You know, everybody's walking around with a camera in their pocket all the time now. If this noose was actually a convincing part of the story, why why, why didn't we ever see a photograph of it? Bubba Wallace himself says he never actually saw the news, that he was called into the NASCAR president's office who was bawling. He, he was literally in tears that someone from Bubba Wallace's team had told him that they had found this noose. 
Now, there's a lot to say about that. Either the the NASCAR president is an idiot or he thought that uh, he could monetize this situation to get more attention for NASCAR because it would have taken just a cursory review of the garages to realize that there's one of these so-called nooses, a hand loop attached to every garage door at Talladega and probably all of the other uh, tracks throughout the country as well. He told Bob, Bubba Watson about it, and then Bubba Watson went on his his promotion tour on The View and the CNN with Don Lamont. And, uh, and then they called in the FBI, who apparently doesn't have anything better to do than chase down hoaxes anymore. They sent not one, not two, not five, but 15 FBI agents to Talladega to get to the bottom of this hateful, hateful race crime. 15. And it apparently took them a couple of days to realize what everybody else had realized and what the uh, the gang over there at Conservative Treehouse actually came up with evidence that these were uh, garage door pull downs. Yeah, I think, you know, everybody was claiming, oh, I knew it. I'm the first one that said it. You know, I could do that, too. I, I, I said as soon as I found out about it, where's the photograph? But, you know, that, that's no big deal. I mean, I'm I'm not particularly pressing it on this. Everybody knew it. Even the media and the the um, the social justice warriors knew it. They hoped that, you know, the hoax would hold up, but they knew it. And NASCAR most certainly had to know. All you had to do was walk around the garage. Bubba Watson was saying, this is definitely, definitely a noose. But of course, you know, it had been there for at least the better part of a year. Actually, it was, it, it's been there probably for years. And uh, Bubba Watson says it's definitely a noose. It may have been fashioned out of a noose. You know, people uh, like to play with knots. Uh, they don't mean anything by it necessarily. I suspect that it was probably a bowling knot that Bubba Watson doesn't know the difference between a bowling and a, uh, a noose. You wouldn't fashion a noose for a garage door pull down because a noose is a slip knot and it'll close on your hand. You would put a bowling knot in it, but it's a good thing. They called the FBI and the FBI sent their crack team of 15 investigators down there to get to the bottom of this, that it was a rope tied onto a garage door for closing the garage door. And it's been there, no telling how long, at least since last fall, for pulling down the effing garage door. Like I said, it's not like the FBI had anything better to do, apparently, with all of the destruction of public property and civil unrest going on throughout the nation. They had 15 agents to send down there. And they said, well, no, there was no hate crime here. But I think actually there was a hate crime here. This uh, this hate crime that was actually perpetrated was uh, by NASCAR against their own fans, by Bubba Watson against his fellow drivers and, and white people in general. And I keep wondering, where's the apology? Bubba Watson was defiant, appearing with Don Lamont last night. It was most certainly a noose. I didn't know anything about it. 
no contrition, no excuse me. I, you know, I didn't mean to smear NASCAR fans. The, the media just absolutely loved this story because it was in Alabama, probably the state that they hate most, maybe tied with Mississippi. I've got a clip here. This is from Jamal Hill, uh, the uh, the racist ESPN commentator, who uh, who loves to uh, to try to piggyback her her racist hatred of white people as morally retarded on any one of these hoaxes. And that had to be an impediment to NASCAR reaching out to a broader audience, as well as Andrea Mitchell interviewing Jamal Hill. Having more drivers uh, be want to even be part of the sport. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people of color, if you've attended a NASCAR race or even thought about it, there are just certain symbols and a certain mood and a certain sentiment that has been bubbling at the surface of NASCAR events and NASCAR. Translation, there's too many white people has been trying to somewhat move away from it and i say somewhat in kind of air quotes but at the same time you know as someone who's attended um several nascar races there it's hard for people of color to feel comfortable in these environments when you see the confederate flag everywhere when you just get this sense that you're at something that you're not welcome at um as she most certainly welcome there they sell, they're celebrating Southern heritage for, for better or for worse. The Confederate flag is a, uh, a historical legacy in the South. They don't mean anything hateful by it. They're some of the nicest, most polite, most congenial, most welcoming people in the nation, probably in the world. As much as NASCAR may try to distance itself from that, it's a living, breathing part of their sport. And you have a black driver, you have an opportunity here to open this sport up in a new way. And so for this reminder, this very stunning, shocking, appalling, disgusting reminder of. So she's not waiting to see if there's anything to it before she says it's disgusting and appalling. Who, again, this sport is for. Um, I'm very curious as to see how NASCAR handles this, because based off what everything I've read is that this had to be an inside job. Because- it had to be an inside job. How's NASCAR going to handle this? Well, NASCAR is going to handle it by trying to to um, monetize it. Here's Bubba Watson appearing with Don Lamont after the FBI had determined that this was just a garage door pull down and he's insisting that it was a noose. We have still seen no photograph. Maybe it was an actual noose. I kind of doubt it. I don't know why you would put a slip knot on a garage door pull down, but uh, similar pull downs were throughout the garages and he's seen them over the years. Everything played out the way it did, but you know, there, there has, there has some, some parallels to that for sure. Have you seen ropes like that hanging from garages? Um, is that is that typical? Don, the, the, the image that I have and I have seen of, of what was hanging in my garage is not a uh, it's not a garage pool. Um, I've uh, I've been racing all my life. I've we've we've raced out of hundreds of garages that uh, never had garage pools like that. So people that want to call it a garage pool and put out old videos and photos of of, of knots being. Um, in, uh, in, in, in their, as their evidence, go ahead. But from the evidence. That- yeah. If you want to put out photographs of similar knots throughout Talladega garages and other NASCAR garages, you go ahead. But I know that was a noose by God. That was a noose. 
So I just ask again, where's the apology? Where's the contrition? Where's the, excuse me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to vilify and uh, and insult everybody. None. Not going to come from Bubba, not going to come from NASCAR, not going to come from the media. They just figure those uh, those hateful, hateful rednecks deserved it. You remember uh, the other most recent uh, hate hoax is uh, when Donald Trump at his Tulsa rally said that uh, used the term Kung flu to refer to the the Wuhan virus drives him absolutely crazy. It was it was a racial slur. They tell us. Well, now it's being revealed that uh, the Obama administration's. VA, the Veterans Administration under the Obama administration, way back in 2015, actually ran an ad in response to or trying to get people to take a a vaccine saying, become a Kung flu fighter. Get your Kung flu shot. Of course, when when uh, Obama, who is uh, the sainted one, says that it's not a racial slur against Asians. It's not a racial slur against Asians, obviously. It's a play on words, Kung Flu. Everything doesn't have to be hateful. They spent uh, two days telling us that Kung Flu is a racial slur, except when Obama uses it. They've kind of got white people trapped in this uh, this uh, maze of contradictions you can't possibly come out the other side without being a racist. If you move out of a neighborhood uh, that's, you know, uh, majority black, then you're engaged in white flight. If you move into a a neighborhood that's mostly black, well, you're uh, gentrifying the neighborhood and you need to get out. If you see color or notice people's race, then you're a racist. But if you don't see race, then you're lying or you're ignoring racism and you're a racist. If you partake in the popular culture, then you're culturally appropriating. And if you don't, well, then you're non-inclusive. You can't win. So much of these people's identity, self-identity and their political motivations are tied up in vilifying white people. And actually what it is, it's racism. It's kind of a, a jujitsu form of racism. But they're saying that uh, you're a racist because, um, well, I lost my train of thought. Uh, I mean, you, you just can't win no matter what you do. So we had primaries yesterday in New York and Kentucky and uh, North Carolina, I think in Virginia as well. There was uh, not a lot of surprise. AOC won her primary big, which is uh, disappointing, but she's going to face a Republican in, uh, in the fall. She almost certainly will win that election. We'll talk more about this right after this message. Stick with us. Mojo. You. 
you hear the headlines, you know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the health insurance hotline today. Learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates. This is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates. So call right now to learn more. 800-605-1679-800-605-1679-800-605-1679. That's 800-605-1679. Pay for by Go Health. Mojo. Well, the political juggernaut that is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez rolled on last night. She racked up 70% of the vote in her uh, Bronx district's primary. Uh, so, you know, uh, she almost certainly will be uh, in the next Congress as well uh, because you know, Republicans definitely not going to win that district, I don't think. They stand any chance. Uh, you know, you could be sad that you're going to have to look at her and listen to her uh, lunatic rantings for the next two years, or you can actually, um, you know, be uh, celebrated that the, the Democrats are going to uh, continue to have be led around by the nose, by this uh, ignorant, uneducated, um, is she a millennial uh, who is constantly preaching and everybody. Uh, here, here's a clip from her after the results ran last night. What you all have shown is that a people's movement here is not an accident. It is a mandate. It is an absolute mandate. And this puts us and it absolutely strengthens us. It's not just about winning or losing, but so much of this is about how you win and to win, you know, and there, there are many votes that have yet to be counted, but some of the early results that we've seen have us at about 70 to 72% to win with that kind of mandate is transformative. It is transformative. That's right. It is transformative. It's going to transform uh, the Democrat party into an even more um, out of the mainstream organization. Uh, she was talking about there were um, votes still to come in. Here is a, a, repo- a, port, a report from the precincts in her district last night. Party member we are around that was accredited. The total vote cast was 560. The vote was casted in 78 rounds of 2028. Uh, that's actually just a spoof. That's a, a primary in Mogadishu. But you might not know if, if, uh, if you didn't, didn't know where it was coming from. So the, uh, the media is crowing about a, a primary that took place in western North Carolina. I assume the, uh, that's the heart of Asheville, North Carolina, where a young man, about a 27-year-old war veteran named Madison Cawthorn, won the primary over Trump's hand-picked 
opponent to fill the seat vacated by um, Meadows, not Chuck Meadows, uh, the the congressman uh, from North Carolina that uh, resigned to become Donald Trump's chief of staff. There, uh, the media is crowing, saying that this uh, indicates that Donald Trump, you know, doesn't have as much juice as he thinks he does. Well, the truth of the matter is. This Madison Cawthorn was just a, a very attractive candidate, well-spoken, war veteran, disabled war veteran, uh, young. I think uh, I think he's going to serve the party well. So let's update ourselves on the Black Lives Matter destruction of statues across the country. They're promising that on tomorrow they're going to show up at the Abraham Lincoln statue in Washington, D.C. and yank it down. They're going to destroy an Abraham Lincoln monument in Washington, D.C. Overnight, they, they did destroy a, um, a statute in Madison, Wisconsin of a, of a man, a, a Norwegian immigrant, who fought for the Union and died trying to free the slaves. They pulled it down and dumped it into the lake. So this is not about Confederates anymore, if it ever was. This is about white people. They're trying to um, destroy white people's legacies. And even in Madison, Wisconsin, they they were able to tear down a statue that was standing right in front of the state house with apparently no pushback from the authorities, drag it through the streets and dump it into the lake of a man who died fighting to free the slaves. It's really quite amazing for his part. Uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo thinks this is all great. Uh, and look, people are making a statement uh, about equality, about community, uh, to be against racism, against slavery. Uh, I think those are good statements. And I think that I think it's a healthy expression of people saying, let's get some priorities here and let's remember the sin and mistake that these this nation made and let's not celebrate it. Oh, it's a healthy statement, says Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. So. He doesn't think that they need to go through any process or make any decision, you know, where people get a vote. Andrew Como thinks it's a good and healthy process for mobs to just start pulling down monuments that they don't agree with. And you wonder why this is going on. And it's because of the complicity of these Democrat politicians. This is the guy that they're telling us should uh, replace Joe Biden on the presidential ticket. You know, I've been watching all of this going on and it, it kind of occurred to me that I ought to uh, get myself a, a flatbed trailer and go get me some of these statues that they are going to be torn down. Anyway, the media is standing or the, uh, the authorities are standing aside and allowing the destruction of these statues. So if they can destroy it, can I just go take it away? sell it to somebody, you know, as, as a, a fabulous art piece. What's the difference? If they can destroy it, why can't I just have it? 
And if I can't find anybody to buy it, these things are made of bronze. You can make a lot of money off the scrap. I mean, that's actually one of the the major problems that municipalities across this country have when they put, you know, one of these bronze statues out in the middle of the night, somebody comes and steals it, melts it down and, uh, and makes, makes money off of it. But if the mob's allowed to destroy it, can I just have it? So Trump says he's going to sign an executive order making, uh, calling for the arrest of these people. So we are looking at, Long-term jail sentences for these vandals and these hoodlums and these anarchists and agitators and call them whatever you want. Some people don't like that language, but that's what they are. They're bad people. They don't love our country. (laughs) So you signed an executive order that they're actually going to enforce the law. Wow. You know, normally what they do when they're trying to make a point is they have perp walks. They take these people that, uh, you know, they're targeting and uh, they call the media and they walk them into jail. I haven't seen any perp walks of you. I guess the FBI is too busy down in Talladega investigating the hate hoax, obvious hate hoax. Got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So a couple of times in the last week, the New York Times has pointed out statues that the left-wing mob ought to tear down. The latest was a uh, a crucifix, a cross, located in Golden Gate Park there in San Francisco. It's totally unprotected. I'm sure the mob will be coming for it. Yes, the New York Times is actually calling on the mob to attack a religious monument. But as long as the New York Times can... uh, you know, point out monuments that ought to be destroyed. I figured maybe I can get in on the act too. You know, there's a monument right there in Central Park in uh, in the uh, the cultural hotbed of uh, Antifa and the Black Lives Matter movement. It's of Che Guevara, the Marxist Cuban revolutionary. He was an actual racist, 
who committed mass murder and uh, and was uh, and liked to put homosexuals, one of the favorite constituencies of the left wing, liked to put them in labor camps and try to uh, break their homosexuality. Che Guevara uh, was a- actually uh, also a a nuclear weapons proponent. And uh, he uh, he wanted to bomb New York City with a nuclear missile during the Cuban Missile Crisis. He gave a uh, an interview in November of 1962, and he said, uh, "If the missiles had remained in Cuba, we would have used them against the very heart of the New York of the of the U.S., including New York City." The victory of socialism, he said, is well worth millions of atomic victims. So Che Guevara stands in Central Park that he wanted to bomb with nuclear weapons. You might also want to run on over to the Smithsonian Institute where they house a a bust of Margaret Sanger, a notorious racist and eugenicist who wanted to breed black people out of existence. And, of course, founded Planned Parenthood that's been responsible for the deaths of millions of unborn babies, both white and black. She is the founder of the modern abortion movement. She was also affiliated with the <gasps> Ku Klux Klan. There's a, there's a target for you monument destroyers. She supported the Nazis' forced sterilization programs to uh, eliminate birth defects. And uh, she wrote wildly about, widely about the racial motivations behind her abortion agenda. Margaret Sanger. Over there in the Smithsonian, how about Harvey Milk, the um, homosexual in San Francisco that uh, that um, murdered um, the, uh, the 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 chairman of the board of supervisors out there? He was a gay rights icon. But what the radical left doesn't want you to know, he was also a sexual predator who liked to engage in sex with underage boys. He had a relationship with a 16-year-old runaway named Randy Schultz, who uh, he looked up to milk as a father and wrote in his biography, Harvey always had a penchant for young waifs with substance abuse problems. But to this day, this guy's got a bust standing in San Francisco City Hall, I, I guess Harvey Milk was the one that got murdered. He was uh, he was the chairman of the supervisors out there. You know, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, put um, Chinese people in uh, concentration camps through Executive Order 9066. He incarcerated Japanese, Germans, and Italians. I guess they don't count uh, in the uh, in the matrix of the left. But he's got a statue dedicated by President Clinton in 1997 in Washington D.C. They've got a memorial. Seems time that that monument came down. There's a Barack Obama statue in Puerto Rico. There's a uh, there's Barack Obama statues uh, sprinkled throughout the country. Somebody might want to take a look at those for our first Marxist president 
I could go on and on, but uh, we got to get on to other stuff. So, Ari Flasher was on uh, on one of the news shows this week and uh, and was trying to knock the Trump campaign off of this uh, this moniker that they put on Biden, Sleepy Joe. They tell him that that uh, he says that that's that's not uh, the best way to go because. After all of this upheaval we went to, Sleepy sounds pretty good to people. He's got a, another idea. Retire the Sleepy Joe moniker. It's not working. Sleepy equals a little bit of calm. People might want that. It's weak Joe Biden. Biden is so weak he can't even stand for the policies he used to espouse, abortion, crime. Biden is so weak he can't stand up to China. And certainly he's so weak he won't lead the country. All the powerful Democrats around him will be the ones leading the country from Nancy Pelosi to AOC. They're licking their chops. You, you know, this is actually exact sets up exactly like they wanted to. They couldn't get elected themselves, but they're thinking that, you know, with Joe Biden's faux history as a centrist. Maybe they can get him into the White House and then they can take charge and you'll get policies coming out of people like this who want her primary last night by 70 percent um you know a lot of times i'll hear people say okay this is about black lives matter what about latinos and i always say latinos are black (laughs) we we are afro latina and um we we run an entire racial spectrum and so we have to have conversations around colorism colorism we're going to go after colorism he's going to put her in charge of his energy policy her global warming initiatives and apparently uh, she's going to go after colorism, too. Victor Davis Hanson, who used to be a regular guest on this show, um, went on Tucker's show this week and, uh, and summed up the best I've heard what this upcoming election is really all about. This election no longer is about Donald Trump's tweeting. It's not about Joe Biden's cognitive impairment. It has nothing to do anymore with the lockdown, the virus, the economy, foreign policy. It's a existential question, a Manichaean choice between whether you want civilization and you believe that America doesn't have to be perfect to be good and we're not in its third century going to destroy all that people died for, or you feel it was inherently flawed with a cancer and we have to use radiation chemotherapy and kill the host to kill the cancer. And that's the choice we're looking at. And I'm going to vote for civilization. Yeah. I'm going to vote for civilization too. I think a lot of people are. It worries you sometime when you watch the the media and you think that uh, we're far outnumbered, but I think there's going to be a huge backlash against all of this. And as flawed as Donald Trump is, and he most certainly is flawed, uh, we're going to have to um, get him back in there to keep Joe Biden and his uh, Obama alumni that want to uh, get back in control of power and continue their fundamental transformation of the United States that you're witnessing nightly in the streets of our country. I'm going to take a quick early break, and then we're going to come back and cover the John Bolton interview with Brett Baer last night. Stick with us. Mojo. Attention homeowners that have ever had a broken appliance. (laughs) That's a joke, right? We've all had broken appliances. I own a home just like you and have found a way for as little as a dollar a day to have all the major appliances in my home on a warranty plan. 
They're guaranteed to be fixed or replaced. You know how expensive an air conditioner, a heating system, a washing machine, dryer, water heater, or refrigerator can be. For about a dollar a day, all your major appliances are protected in case they break. Unless you're uh, Daddy Warbucks or the Monopoly guy and you don't care about money, call my friends at the Home Service Club now and get a warranty on your major appliances. It's a free call and the first month is free. But be one of the first 25 people to call within the next 10 minutes. 800-255-4940 That's 800-255-4940 When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So Brett Baer had John Bolton on for an interview yesterday. It it, uh, covered most of his evening newscast. And, uh, you know, when I first heard that Fox was going to have him on, I thought that that was, uh, you know, not a good idea. You know, I guess I've become a little bit too partisan uh, because Brett Baer actually uh, went at him pretty hard. At one point he asked him, is there anybody that you've ever worked with that actually still likes you? And uh, John Bolton was not able to name anybody. Bolton has uh, has taken out after Trump hammer and tong. Apparently, he believes that uh, you know putting Joe Biden uh, back in charge of the swamp would be a good idea for his conservative agenda. Which, first and foremost, is support of Israel and uh, and constantly beating the war drums to uh, to invade and bomb Iran. At one point, he said that if he had been in the Senate, he would have voted to impeach Donald Trump. He made a good point about, you know, why he didn't end up testifying in the Senate. Uh, I had to remind me, I'd forgotten. Uh, it's because the House managers led by pencil neck Adam Schiff never actually issued him a, a, a subpoena. And they did so because, um, you know, Schiff said, well, he's just going to, uh, to fight it and drag it out. But actually all that Bolton was doing, and he pointed it out in the interview, was he had conflicting instructions, a subpoena from uh, the House Intelligence Committee, and also a, uh, a prohibition by the White House saying that he could not testify. So all he was doing was, you know, trying to get guidance from the court over which one of these instructions to uh, to comply with. It's a pretty reasonable position. But Brad hit him pretty good. Here's a, a clip of uh, from last night's interview. Who would be better on foreign policy, Joe Biden as president or Donald Trump as president? The difference between Biden and Trump is that Biden has a view uh, and Trump has no view. On any given day, any, any decision is possible. And I find that frightening. I think the response to the coronavirus demonstrates exactly the kind of fear 
that I have. The response was herky-jerky, incoherent, sporadic, and not as effective as it could have been. That's what's wrong with Donald Trump decision-making. And to see it in this kind of crisis uh, only gives a preview of what could happen in an even more severe crisis. Let me translate for you about uh, in that. In your view, Excuse who me. would be better on... Let me translate for you his, his uh, take on the coronavirus. It was herky-jerky and, uh, and, and uh, Bolton couldn't keep up. It was because John Bolton is a, a creature of Washington. He's used to these things being handled in a, a slow, methodical, bureaucratic, bumbling way. And uh, he just wasn't able to appreciate that Donald Trump makes decisions that are obviously the right decisions. And he did that in the coronavirus. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you might not have liked the, liked the process. You might not have been consulted. They might not have had enough experts in the room to please John Bolton. But the fact of the matter is the response was hugely effective because Donald Trump knows how to and is not afraid to make an executive decision. And Bolton's argument uh, that he would rather go with, with Joe Biden because Joe Biden knows what he believes as opposed to Donald Trump, who he says is, uh, you know, doesn't have a core principle, is uh, nonsensical. We know that Joe Biden's core beliefs are globalist. They're serving the interests of the military-industrial complex. And Joe Biden has been wrong, blatantly, patently wrong, about every foreign policy decision that he's made for the last 47 years in Washington took us into Iraq and got us bogged down there. He voted, he led the effort in the Senate to support George W. Bush. By the way, he was being influenced greatly by that very same John Bolton to go to war in Iraq. So I guess John Bolton would prefer Joe Biden. And Bolton turns a blind eye completely to the towering and obvious corruption with Joe Biden in the Ukraine and China. I'm trying to remember what this clip here is. Uh, this may be the whole, whole darn. Uh, Joining us now. Best- yeah, that's the whole interview. Let's just dip into a little bit of it and see what uh, John has to say. Precise question. In a book review I wrote in 2014, about Bob Gates's memoir of his time as Secretary of Defense. Oh, here he's defending, uh, you know, his as a, a national security advisor for a sitting president, going uh, and publishing a book. You know, the judge uh, said that the administration could not prevent the publication of the book, and uh, and everybody's chalking that up as a win for John Bolton, but it is nothing of the sort. The reason the judge said they couldn't stop a publication is because the the horse was already out of the barn. They they had sent out thousands of advanced copies of this book by the time he uh, they were able to get before the judge, and so the judge said, "Well, you know, there's no sense in in stopping the publication now because all of the damage that could be done by these revelations of our national security secrets have already happened." But the judge did point out that John Bolton had had endangered national security, that he had violated his non-disclosure agreement, and that he, uh, he was subject to civil and criminal 
penalties. It would give me such pleasure to watch John Bolton get arrested. Maybe they could uh, do him like they, they did Roger Stone, show up at his house in the uh, you know, before dawn with a SWAT team and helicopters whirring overhead and drag his ass off to jail. It would be a little bit of comfort to the parents across this country that uh, lost their sons and daughters in these idiot wars that John Bolton has been dragging us into for the last 20 years. And I think the administration is probably going to be able to seize all of the assets from this book. If you make money off of a book that you committed a crime in order to publish, there is uh, there are laws on the book that you can't profit from it. So maybe that uh, that money uh, probably going to be upwards of five million dollars before it's over with can be used to uh, to try to mitigate some of the damage that Don Bolton has done. Speaking of the uh, the damage um, and just how unethical it was for John Bolton to publish this book, um, Mick Mulvaney, former acting chief of staff, commented. Mick, your thought about that hour we watched on ABC, and we're going to see more throughout the morning and afternoon. Yeah, Brian, I watched the whole thing last night, cover to cover. I've not read the book yet. I'm not going to pay for it. Um, I cringed. I mean, I, and I imagine that, that former chiefs of staff and former national security advisors, former cabinet secretaries from all administrations cringed to watch sort of the betrayal of confidence last night by John Bolton. Um, it was it was really a, a, a classless display. No, I, well, we can talk a little bit about what I thought was driving it, but it was hard to watch. To have somebody who's in the Oval Office with the president almost every day um, sort of turn on him just because he didn't like the style, didn't like sort of the policies. It was really, really hard to watch last night as a public servant. Um, you know, the Wall Street Journal wrote a piece earlier this week or last week that said, asked whatever happened to the concept of honor in public service. Um, clearly, uh, John Bolton doesn't have any left. Well, John Bolton, I don't think uh, could ever be considered honorable but what he's done here is um is just so uh dishonorable that it's kind of breathtaking i mean he's he's defending himself saying you know that uh, he he's doing it as a national service it's nothing of the sort (sighs) over in the house of representatives nancy pelosi is accusing the Republicans in the Senate of engineering a cover-up of the murder of George Floyd. She's actually saying that the bill that they're advancing in the Senate that was authored by Tim Scott, a black Republican from South Carolina, is a cover-up of the murder of George Floyd. Here she was appearing on a, a, a radio talk show host when she said these despicable words. In other words, for something to happen, they're going to have to face the realities of police brutality, the realities of the need for justice in policing, and the recognition that there are many, many good people in in, um, law enforcement, but not all, and that we have to address those concerns. Uh, So when they admit that and, and 
have some suggestions that are worthy of consideration. But so far, they were trying to get away with murder, actually, the murder of George Floyd. There has been another issue as far as the... Well, apparently, it's not just a cover-up of the murder of George Floyd. They're actually participating in the murder of George Floyd, says Nancy Pelosi, who who says more and more unhinged things. She says they're trying to get away with murder. Actually, the murder of George Floyd. What this uh, bill that's coming out of the House of Representatives is basically going to make it impossible for police officers to do their jobs or defend themselves. They're going to enact this Soros, George Soros agenda to render the police ineffective in supporting the laws. Project Veritas, who does some of the most uh, impressive investigative reporting of any media outlet, despite the fact of you know being demonetized and censored on all of the uh, the channels that they're getting out, has uh, done this expose of Facebook censorship. Here is a montage of some uh, undercover video that they were able to capture of these Facebook moderators bragging about censoring conservatives. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Facebook's notorious for it. And they say they don't, but yeah. it's clear that people's content don't come up because it's been defiltered off the queue. Um, it's a very progressive company who's very anti-MAGA. If you see a conservative punch, you just get rid of it. Right? Yes. Right. I don't give a Zach McElroy came to Project Veritas because of what he saw at his job at Facebook in Tampa. So this Jack McElroy was inside and witnessed firsthand how they go about censoring conservative views off of their platform. Here he's talking about an image of that uh, that played prominently on Facebook. Let's go to the tr- that played prominently on Facebook of. Uh, Someone cutting Donald Trump's throat that they allowed to stay up. Trump cartoon, this one here, is this something that you you saw at your tenure? Yes, I actually saw this image a lot. Tell me about this. Well, this is an image, I believe it's in an art museum in Portland. They put this up as a bit of a political statement, and... Facebook actually reacted to this, at least internally. They gave us a memo saying that this would not violate for violence and incitement or anything else, really. And so we were told to leave this image up as long as it didn't say, oh, I'm going to actually kill Donald Trump or something like that. So you just told. I wish you could see this image. It's uh, somebody taking a uh, Bowie knife, got Donald Trump by the hair and is cutting his throat. It's about this one where they allowed it to stay up. They think that this cartoon with Elmer Fudd has high severity violence and incitement, but this does not. So an Elmer Fudd cartoon they had to pull down, but uh, somebody cutting the throat of the president of the United States, that's not incitement. Here's a clip from that same interview that was conducted by James O'Keefe of the uh, the mole inside Facebook talking about the double standard when it comes to this what they can a, allow. Was this something that you, you took a screenshot of? Yes, it is. Talk to me about what I'm looking at here with Don Lemon. This was a memo given to moderators in looks like November 2018. They made an exception for 
content around involving a thing that Don Lemon said on CNN uh, around the time. He said, it says CNN host Don Lemon recently said white men are, quote, the biggest terror threat in this country, unquote. This is implying that white men are terrorists and so would typically violate this dehumanizing speech, they call it. As this is a newsworthy event, Facebook's content policy team is allowing a narrow exception for this content on the platform. Why would they do that? Well... It's hard to say. They would like to say that this was newsworthy, but frankly, if they say that this is newsworthy, that means that they can say anything they want is newsworthy. Well, certainly there is obviously an intention on Facebook's part to have the back of people like CNN and hosts like Don. No matter how unhinged, Don Lemon said white men are terrorists. That's perfectly fine with Facebook if you try to say that about anybody else, any other identifiable group, of course. Facebook would take it down and probably should. But as long as it conforms to their their uh, leftist worldview, then they'll make a narrow exception. I have found a great alternative uh, to Twitter. Um, it's called uh, it's called Parler. P A R L E R. I just started on it last night, and I'm going to start posting all my stuff over there. It's another one of these alternatives to Twitter's, uh, similar to Gab, but it's uh, a lot better put together and more uh, usable than Gab is. I'm uh, I'm posting, reposting all of my stuff on Gab and Parler now, because you're going to have to get ready for the run-up to this election, uh, when they're really going to clamp down on social media and their desperation to get Donald Trump out of the White House. But uh, Parler, the great thing about that is a lot of the Trump supporters and uh, and nationalists and America First people are already over there. Uh, they have heeded the call to uh, to jump over there. So a lot of the favorite people that you follow on Twitter are now already staking out uh, their place on Parler, and you ought to get in on it too. At some point, I would like to be able to just leave Twitter and Facebook all together and, uh, and go to one of these alternative platforms. So uh, we got just a minute left. I want to play you a quick clip. This is from Erin Perini. She's a spokesperson for the Trump campaign talking about um, these polls that they keep telling us that show Donald Trump is, uh, is losing They should be afraid for a number of reasons. One, they've got a terrible candidate. Joe Biden's got 40 plus years of failed policies in D.C. And two, polling has never been able to accurately pull out the hidden Trump supporter to accurately reflect what is going on in key battleground states across the country with voters who will not only show up, but vote for President Trump. It's never been figured out. And that was the mistake that was made in 16 with all of that polling. In 2016, there were over 200 polls done from June 20th to November 8th, Election Day. Of those polls, President Trump was leading in 16 of them. They got the polls all wrong in 2016, and there's no reason to believe that they're not trying to use these polls again in this election. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now. I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope you'll come back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network.
We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.